Two paths diversion of woods, and I, I took the path that had two hell cannons. Welcome to the Path of Story podcast, a Warhammer Age of Sigmar Path to Glory podcast. Join us for a whole lot of lore and more here in the Mortal Realms. Today, I am Brud the Groon, lethargic despoiler of the mangled pit. And, Will, no, Spencer, I apologize, Spencer, who are you today? I am Groot. Plague shard, the yes, yes, sycophant of the Bobonicus mines. <laughs> the greatest rat of all time. Are you Groat? Is that what you're saying? I am Groat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. I love it. Oh, it's great. Uh, and uh, uh, Will, who are you today? Today, and every day from now on, <laughs> I am Lord Ordinator William of the Heavens Forged, and unlike your names granted by the realm of plastic, mine has been granted by David Geimer himself, Indeed. Black Library author. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, so um, Will, Will is now that? actually a published character um, on no Twitter. Way. But published by a black library author as a as a stormcast, a totally real one hundred percent not yes. a goof. Cannot be ever dismantled or taken back ever. To be screenshotted with. it, David. Yes, exactly. <laughs> what? Yeah. So, <laughs> you can go ahead, Will. You can tell the story. I was just say, the, the the just this. So the story behind it ties into one of our favorite characters and the author who writes him. Hamilcar. Hamilcar! Hamilcar Bear Eater, who mm-hmm. is just one of the best. And the author of Hamilcar's stories, David Geimer, uh, had a, a book announced. And actually, by the time this is released, I think the book will have been out. One can hope. Kragnos, Avatar of Destruction. Right? This, yeah, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And in one of the descriptors, uh, in a tweet... Uh, David Gamer had said like there was a lot of different points of view in it, and one of them was a stormcast of the Astral Templars, which is Hamilcar Bear Eater's storm host. Mm-hmm. But he wasn't and mentioned he, by name. He wasn't mentioned by name, so everyone's was going, "Oh, who who could it be? It could be anyone." And Aaron or Dosesos. Uh, from the the Mortal Realms podcast, said William, as if he was <laughs> uh, telling me to to stop making fun of him and to acknowledge Hamilcar. Mm-hmm. But then David Geimer said, "Yeah, it's Lord Ordinator William of the Heavens Forged, of course." <laughs> so therefore, glory, glory, am canon exactly. <laughs> so. Um, what do you do with all your newfound fame and power? Uh, I'm having a beer. So, <laughs> <laughs> Hey, well, obviously you haven't been reforged so many times that you've lost your love for beer. So you're doing right. pretty good. You, might yeah, be, you must be newly forged. 
I can still taste it. So that's that's what matters. Mm-hmm. I don't. I think if you're from Wisconsin, it doesn't matter how many times you reforged that. <laughs> will carry I mean that would, that would be the real curse once <laughs> when you lose the, oh, the taste of it. Oh, that'd be terrible. I mean, you probably can't get drunk either. So yeah, one would think, right? You know, we've got right lightning going through your veins. It would just evaporate all the alcohol immediately. I, w- I was going to make a joke about if I couldn't taste beer, then I would be someone from, and then just name a location. But mm-hmm. we shouldn't punch down having delicious Wisconsin beer like we do. Mm-hmm. It, it is wonderful, and I appreciate it for every moment uh, that I uh, am able to. Uh, so we're going to start a new thing this episode. Yeah. Uh, we're just going to do a quick little uh, blurb about our armies that we are talking about to kind of give a little bit of a recap for those who have never listened to the podcast before. Um, so I will start off with mine. And so this is for my force, which is the Living City, uh, Dawnbringer Crusade. Petrol knelt and grasped a handful of the earth, crushing the loam between his fingers. The lambent gyronite magic in his necklace gifting life to seeds within. Scorched air gusted, tearing new growth from his fingers and dooming it as the grassland fire consumed all heat from within them. Comets of flame crashed to the ash and cooled to embers before winking into darkness. Petrel stood, framed by the ruination of the realm wrought by the storm-scale covenant. Lightning as they arrived, lightning as they fell. This place was made to burn, it must be said, but not in this season of the realms. Death and ash had been left after each confrontation. Need pressed on his mind, the desperate need to establish a Dawnbringer settlement to start renewing this distraught land. Crushing the soil with his foot, he spun and walked back toward the Draconith companion, framed by the raging grass fire consuming the hungering steps at his back. Extending his hand in comfort, he caressed Keldazai's wings and spoke in a soothing voice. Soon, he crooned, soon will the realm roots guide you once again. Beautiful. There you go. There's my I, like, quick lore blurb. So, Yeah, and I realized, even though I have known this, this mm-hmm. will be news for the audience about Petrol's companion. Uh-huh. Might have a picture later to show Spencer. We'll see. Yeah. Um, yeah, Spencer, how, how do you think that that's a good summation of your understanding of uh, Paul and uh, the Living City Crusade? Slash, do you know what that reveal means? <laughs> I mean, I love the imagery. I'm imagining a lot of flames, a lot of dry dirt. But mm-hmm. I, mm, do I know what the reveal means? It it might the significance might dawn mm-hmm. on you uh, uh-huh. when I do my intro. But uh, <laughs> I was... yeah, his companion is a a young dragonith. Okay, Drac- Dra- That's a dragon. Yeah. Okay. So, like oh, like oh. Yeah. Like, um, yeah. You're learning. You're learning. <laughs> you said lightning and striking. I I didn't know if there was something there or not. So oh, you'll it right. will be expanded upon here. Yeah. As I, as yeah. I, I launch into my tirade. Yeah. <laughs> so we're just gonna do these little bits of lore. So to kind of do a summary and uh, uh, let everybody know which armies we're talking about. If we change armies, we'll change the bits of lore. So. Well, if you want to go ahead and read yours, I'm, I'm excited. I haven't heard this yet. Yeah. High in the Tower of Scales, Thalen watched over the hungering steppe. 
Centuries ago, when he was a man, he called this place home. Now his clutch returned to secure the land for the Draconith Empire, though his quest was given to him by the scions of the god-beast Dracothian. Thalen lamented what had to be done. The Dawnbringers of Sigma, in their naivety, threatened the continued survival of the Draconith. Thalen wished they could see the error of their ways, to realize that these lands were not for man, but for the Chosen of Dracothian. But they would not listen to his words, only to the howling storm of battle. Bolts of lightning darted across the sky as the Stormscale Covenant began their assault. Crashes of thunder and bloody screams announced the first strikes in this war for survival. If the humans wished to die upon his blade, so be it. If they were truly worthy, then they would join him after death as one of the Reforged. Until then, they were merely in his way. Ooh, I like it. I like it a lot. <laughs> Whoa, dude. That is that is <laughs> some imagery there. Wow, okay. No, I'm not tearing up. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Aww, I mean, I, I just, it's just really, that was really strong. Listen to me struggle for words. I just listen to eloquence. Um, <laughs> to be fair, I had more time to write that than you had time to react to it. So. <laughs> Wow, that's, that was uh, pretty, uh, pretty good, pretty good. So, do you do you think there's anything you've learned about either army from listening to those lore bits? Yeah, I keep forgetting that they're they're pretty calloused and they're serving a pretty calloused god who's just like you know, join or die. Uh, and you know, if you if you do die, consider yourself lucky. Like it's uh, it's just a very weird way to think about it. I mean, and also storm scales have they always been called that? Because if not. That is a cool addition. Yes, but I don't think we mention it every time, which is part of why we wanted to to do these little intros to make sure that some of that base level knowledge that we have gets put down each episode. Mm-hmm. We're not going to discuss it every episode, but since the first time we've done it, and also since we have somebody who can tell us if we're not making any sense at all, right? <laughs> it'd be We thought it'd be a good chance to start off with that, so... No, I I am following the story, but is so if there's a connection between the two beyond the Draconith uh, appearing on your side, mm-hmm. um, I don't know what that suggests as to what could happen. I just I recognize that hey, look at that, one of the guys is on the other side now. Why? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and we never really fully discussed that ourselves, to be perfectly honest. Well, I do but actually. I, have a reason, but you go ahead. I want to hear what you think first. Well, so what I was going to say is that it implies that, like, my my faction is very single-minded. Um, and you, you mentioned that they worship a callous god. While it's true, the gods they worship are callous. It's more of how, how they worship the gods is very singular-minded and very, like, very narrow-minded. And so I, for me, being... The, the people who represent the Draconith and the dragons, the fact that there is one that is over there means that I am not representative of this entire faction. I am just one facet of it, and I'm so narrow-minded that I couldn't conceive of there being another. Yep. I think that's a good, uh, it's a good summation of mm-hmm. what I was thinking. Uh, because... Yeah. 
I, I love the the background and the lore for um, the Stormscale Covenant, but they are atypical of the Stormcast, right? Yes. And I I didn't field Petrol in the first bunch of battles that we did, which is my my warlord. I didn't field him on the battle because I wanted to make it seem like it was a scouting effort, right? And I finally decided to field him on the table in the two games we're going to talk about today. But I wanted him to have a reason as to why he wouldn't take the field. Um, I wanted it to be scouting, but also I was thinking about it and was like, but he would still, like, he is still a, a ranger. He is still somebody who would go out and scout the land. So I decided that he was protecting something. And the something that he's protecting um, is a Draconith, uh spawn. So, um, whereas Will has fully formed Draconith um, characters of the Stormcast, and perhaps maybe they will show up later in other model form, um, I wanted to have something that was mine that also gave him a reason for wanting to be secretive and wanting to not leave his safety without someone else. Um, or what, not leave his safety and leave something unprotected. And so I thought a Draconith fit really well and would also provide some interesting um, chances for the narrative to intersect and to help to define who we are and why we're fighting. Yeah. And it, it to, to tie, to zoom out from just our conflict, I think it shows it's a tool for other people to use of the fact of like, I may be focusing on this certain aspect. I may be a, a Draconith focused army that's not forbidding paul from having draconith he, he you know he's allowed to do whatever he wants to do and it's not that he's taking anything from me instead it's creating more interesting story paths where even that we're both doing our own thing and where those intersect is where that story actually develops um and I, to to even step away from Path to Glory in Age of Sigmar, you know, uh, Spencer and I are in a D&D group and I was the dungeon master for a while. And I always tell people, a year. don't worry about what character other people are playing. Play your character. Even if they're the same class, it's your character. Yep. Exactly. So um, <laughs> uh, if you don't mind, Will, I'm going to transition into uh, what we've done for our army um, yeah. in the last couple uh about a month, right? So last time I did nothing, but uh, I'm going to upload some pictures here, Spencer, into the Discord. Um, and I actually painted up Petrol the Thornborn. Yeah, let's see it. He, well, he ha- and his- he made his debut. He has to be all all in color and, and ready to go. Exactly. I, I finally was like, you know what? I think I have a good idea for what I want for the color scheme. I decided to just go for it. So... Um, since this is a character that I've already written about, I had to have a couple things um, right for me to want the character. So he had to have an axe, he had to have a bow, and he has to have a fur cloak. Um, but in the stories that I've written about him, he has a, stir- a fur cloak that's from a, quote, blossom jaguar. So I wanted it to be an unnatural color and maybe be a little bit more reminiscent of plants Whoa. or something like that. Dude! I freaking, so. that's amazing. I love it. That that green in there is awesome. A little using. Oh, the details incredible. Thank you. I was I did not imagine him in green, but it does. It looks very natural. It's very like druidy barbarian. 
And now, is that the little Dracona guy? The dress? Yeah. Yeah. This little pterodactyl guy with, oh, he's, he's kind of cute in a weird little way. Yeah. Yeah. So he like kidnapped a dragon baby. Well, kidnapped. Yep. I don't feel like is the accurate description. Yeah. Acquired by dubious means. Got well, I think befriended. So, uh, according yeah. to the previous history, before we started the Path to Glory campaign, um, Petrel the Thornborn is actually the third son of royalty from where he's from, but he was cast out from his tribe and now wanders trying to. Um, trying to help uh, those who are in need uh, to a certain extent. And I wanted to have a good reason for why he was cast out because he's not an evil character. He's a good character. And I actually thought, you know what? If he found a Draconith and um, wanted to protect it and his his uh, his people in Garan were like, um, no, that's not a thing that we're going to allow because, you know, Draconith tend to end up pretty big. And spew fire and all this. And at the moment, um, they're very much allied with the Stormcast as opposed to um, as opposed to those who are from who survived in the realms during the Age of Chaos. It would almost be a symbol of cooperating, not with the reclaimed, but with those from Azir. And so all those things together made me think that like this actually might be a cool little hook for him to to um, expand upon his character and also provide a reason as to why he was cast out. So, All right. Uh, now, when, now, you guys had... This was this is in the games you played, right? He had this with him. At, oh, Correct. With him. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Well, I'm excited to see how the Storm Scales react to seeing this. I'm, I'm pumped. Yeah. Um, so getting one thing I will note... Out. Is we are we're still figuring out who his character is on the table, um, that'll be something we kind of talk about in our games. Um, so that's that's an interesting topic I think to point out is just that when you have a character in your head, there's not necessarily a tried and true slot within the War Scrolls that are given for your army to field that character. And so Will and I have been kind of working together to figure out something that works for him. So I did also yeah. paint. One more thing specifically for our Path to Glory campaign. So in our second game, we use the winter terrain rules that they released yesterday uh, for our game. And so I'm going to post a picture in the Discord again, Spencer. Yeah. So here is the winter-themed terrain that I painted up yesterday for our game. He he did this in, in one day. Because it was like the af- middle of the afternoon when I'm like, hey, let's use these rules. And of course, yesterday being two months ago from when people are listening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> this is awesome. How did you make the snow? And that the detail in the stone, is that is that actual paint or does it come like come like that? So Whoa. that's that's textural and that is actual like 3D design. That's one mm-hmm. of the things I love about the GW train. Um, but the paint is actually, so basically it's primed and then zenithold is what it's called when you put a lighter color from an angle to help define the different sides. And then I did an all over wash and then I did a dry brush. This is So it was actually super quick. I mean, it's amazing. It looks like stone. It looks like real, how, we're going to post this, right? Everyone else gets to see this because this is awesome. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I, uh, 
I appreciate it. Yeah. No, it, it was fun. And I, I surprised myself when I got down there. I was like, oh, that actually looks really good. And it feels really cold. And like, I, I was super impressed with what I was able to do in a small time. So that made me really happy. Yeah. Wow. 10 out of 10. Um, and then, Will, you've been working a little bit on your army as well, right? So, f- funny story about that. <laughs> uh, I, I I have mentioned before that I, I am slow to paint, slow to convert, and all this stuff. Um, in our previous episode, I talked about all the work I did leading up to Holy Havoc. Mm-hmm. So, I kind of took a month off when it comes <laughs> to painting and building. I actually have my storm drake guard like my actual draconith models sitting on the sprue staring at me calling for help (laughs) so how about we Uh, flip the script here as opposed to me doing nothing (laughs) right exactly (laughs) you you sprinted through did a whole table of terrain in like four hours (laughs) um now the the only thing i've i've done even though it hasn't yielded tangible postable results yet Mm-hmm. But hopefully it will by the time this episode is released. Is I have a bunch of new 3D files of like Dragonborn bits that I'm trying to figure out the best way I want to utilize. Because yep. all of my models up until this point was from a much more limited library of finding. Oh, this piece can replace the Stormcast head, and I can add these tails, or mm-hmm. maybe swap out these weapons. And now I have so many more that I'm just revisiting like, oh, what units can I bring onto the table by swapping out these Stormcast arms with these other things and stuff like that. So it's been a lot of planning that will hopefully yield more hobby uh, mm-hmm. next month. <laughs> All right, so, calm down, Dr. Frankenstein. This is going to get a little intense. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, also yeah. to contextualize that, what Will's saying is that he was printing out basically heads and weapons to add to his GW miniatures. Mm-hmm. And now he's starting to like look into like whole different miniatures and like replacing our like it's not just like I want to find something that fits into the slot. It's more of like I'm actually going to tear apart this miniature now or I'm going to use a completely different miniature and we're going to use different rules for that. So it, it it definitely represents a complete different way of converting or uh, yeah. proxying. So I'm, I'm, I'm super excited, excited for it. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I'm working on that I hope I can make successful is, and this was like the idea that created this army in the first place, which was I wanted an army of dragons or dragon kind. And mm-hmm. right now, everyone is building the Storm Drake Guards, which are Stormcast riding dragons, mm-hmm. which are super cool. Yeah. But I don't want people riding dragons, I want dragons. So I'm mm-hmm. trying to figure out what bits I can use to make it so like the dragons are holding the swords and the shields as they're flying across the sky. Um, yeah. And awesome. it's taking a while to get that right. This is going to be so cool, though. I freaking love dragons. Yeah, I, mean, I, I think wait. it's said this like day one. <laughs> my favorite anything of fantasy is dragons. So and or wavers. They're just they just they're so cool. They're so cool. It's that that oh. like four year old in me that wanted to be a paleontologist, and then and then they're like, "Well, they don't make any money, but I can still appreciate dragons." So they're um, the birds. I like, did paint a dragon in the last month. Have you seen my dragon, Spencer? Uh, may- maybe, maybe. All right, 
I, I painted a big dragon that was flying and stuff. Yeah. Yes. Possibly. Okay. Good. All right. die, yes. Then I'm not going to share it again. I, no. Wait. Doesn't. It's the it. one with the bird. The bird oh, video. Yes. Yes. I do remember that one. Okay. Yeah. Whoa. That was. Yeah. yeah I remember that one. I like the bird. Yeah. Sounds good. All right. Cool. <laughs> Right. Like, there was also something I painted in the last month, but that was that was a crazy different situation. So, yeah, that one was pretty neat. Yeah. All right. Um. So we are um we're back playing games together, uh, which is something Yay. we weren't able to do last month. So that's super exciting. After events and holidays, we're finally able to actually get together and play games and to start forging our narrative again, uh, which is immensely rewarding and fun for both Will and I. Um. So. We thought we'd just put in a little reminder here that, like, for those who are getting into the hobby, right, it's called a hobby for a reason, right? You do it when you want to. You're not supposed to stress over it too much. Um, so one of the things that Will and I agreed with and Spencer as well is that, like, this is not a job, right? We want to have fun and we want to make engaging content. Um, but that applies to everything in the hobby, especially, you know, Spencer is someone who um, is adjacent to the hobby and, you know, potentially going to be getting into it. Um, that's one of the fun things about it is that you do get to drop it. It's not work. Um, and you do get to do it when you're inspired, which is super fun. And and a perfect example of that is that Board of Terrain is I've literally had those miniatures sitting in a box primed for two years, three years. And it was yeah, just was like, ask. <laughs> yeah. And I hadn't even put them together because I had like, cut them out but then you have to actually push them together and glue them and then put the pieces together and i i had just looked at them and like eh not today eh not today and i was working on another miniature and then i saw the rules and i was like no i guess today's the day right exactly and when you're excited about a project i think it really shows um in the end result which is super fun so for all those out there who are like i'm playing path to glory and i want to forge my story Make sure you're having fun forging that story instead of just doing it to get as many games in and to build up that glory uh, because it, it's much more fun when you yeah. enjoy it instead of working on it. And you can find your jo joy in different parts of it. Because uh, mm -hmm. when you mentioned like you had things assembled and primed and just didn't have the motivation to paint, there's a, a phenomena in Warhammer known as the pile of shame mm -hmm. which is all of the models you buy maybe assemble maybe don't and then don't paint and then don't do any with and you are ashamed of them mm -hmm. because like well i bought this i, I spent money and not getting my money's worth out of it right but that that term means different things for different people like i have shelves of gray plastic and i am perfectly happy because those gray plastic are models I cared about assembling. I got mm -hmm. the joy out of putting them together. I get more joy from that than painting. Someone else could have these same shells with the same models and be like, no, I need to paint these. Mm -hmm. And it, the hobby is what you want the hobby to be and mm -hmm. just have fun with it. Yeah, exactly. Created. There's no test. Yeah. And I'm, I'm the exact same way. If, if I put together the models, I'm good. Right. I'd love to paint them if I have the motivation but if I've, I've put them together, if I've got my thoughts together enough to make the miniatures, then I'm happy. I've gotten my my money's worth out of it, right? If yeah. I end up painting them, great. 
then I get even more value for what I spent, right? But at, at the end of the day, I do love building probably more than most other parts of the hobby, but I do enjoy painting quite a bit and it's very cathartic for me. But what that also means is that I really have to be in the right place for me to sit down and paint miniatures for an hour or two or three, right? But I can be anywhere and assemble models. And to me, that's just really relaxing at all times. Um, and so that, that's definitely part of the hobby. And when we're talking about Path to Glory, right, that's also part of Path to Glory. If you're not in the mood to tell a story, right, if you just want to play a game and you don't want to worry about the aftermath or whatever, play a match play game, play an open play game, right? Just get together and have some fun. Um, forcing that narrative is something that can, I think, make it harder for you to appreciate when you are having fun and also make it harder for you to want other people to play with you when you're playing a narrative game, because that is definitely a collaborative process when you're playing a path to glory army versus another path to glory army and talking about your narrative and sharing what's going on and why this is cool to you. Any questions, Spencer? Are you all good? I follow. No, that's uh wise words. So, just get out and so have what are your thoughts? <laughs> exactly. So what are your thoughts about that? Like if this is something that you are, you know, tangentially interested into, right? Like how, how would you approach the hobby differently, making sure to keep it a hobby? Well, in my point of view, I make it a podcast. So I joined it through a podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> so how would I, how would it, well, I guess the same way I keep many things, hobbies, um, you gotta let the feeling kind of, grow up within you in you and um how do i not just obsess over something for like three days and then completely forget it exists um <laughs> well, that's uh, the thing. i do that all the time yeah <laughs> oh, see it's it's like a you do it once and you're like ah oh, that's uh that's pretty fun and you, you'll you'll carry that with you and then and it'll become a, i don't know i i can't answer this question wisely i art i art sometimes and i do it when i want <laughs> It is a very yeah. user-friendly, uh, the setup is pretty minimal uh, and quickly accessible. Um, so how do you keep a hobby a hobby? Uh, Self-control. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. Yeah. So I, don't, I can't see this game being, well, some people definitely make livings out of it. So mm -hmm. yeah. it's clearly possible. Yeah. All right. Cool. That's awesome. Thank you, Spencer. I appreciate that a lot. <laughs> Anytime. Uh, sometimes... from, thank you for yeah. joining me on this podcast. I will provide <laughs> incredible insights to the human experience. That's <laughs> <laughs> what it's for. Well, I mean, and that's part of what I love about Warhammer and what I love about Age of Sigmar in particular is that you do need to actually have that human experience to play the game. I, I played online versions of Warhammer before. And they're just not my jam. Like you need to be standing next to somebody across the table from somebody. And like, and that's what I really enjoy that personal interaction. So, all right. So um, let us move on. And we're going to talk about the two games that we did play. So uh, the first game that we played, uh, we played the trap. And um, the thing that's interesting to me is that we use petrol and his war scroll for the first time on the table. And so 
I have been using the War Scroll for the Empire General because, um, sorry, Free Guild General, my apologies, because that was the War Scroll that made sense and made my army a battle or a match play legal army. Um, using my Free Guild General allowed my Flagellants and my Great Swords to be units and battle line in my Cities of Sigmar army. So. The the battle plan that we played was the trap, which uh, we you know we had mentioned we have our conversations for why we do what we do and on the tabletop and the narrative behind it, and the trap was just too good because the idea was one force is coming in and then they are ambushed and since I had left and had had cheated on you by playing with others at Holy mm-hmm. Havoc mm-hmm. and my my army was returning all high and mighty. I mean, we lost so many games. So I don't know why. You got so much glory. So it totally evens out. <laughs> That's what it was. <laughs> we, we were coming back with all this glory, all full of ourselves. And then we got ambushed. Mm-hmm. You, you had laid a perfectly laid trap. And this is when petrol finally took the field. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of good and fun stuff that happened. Yes. <laughs> um, it was really like just like me trying to spread out and not get shot by the shadow warriors who are coming in and out of the trees. Mm-hmm. We mimicked some of the Holy Havoc rules because I realize I'm a glutton for pain <laughs> where a lot of the different terrain pieces did damage if we were, you were close to them. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, and it it did end up my obliter my annihilators got obliterated as opposed to if we were playing forty k and my obliterators got annihilated exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it it did turn out where my my soldiers were able to survive for the most part. A lot of it was lucky die rolls, Mm -hmm. um, if I recall, just like shots from the shadow warriors not quite hitting my knight judicator and then my knight judicator doing pretty well with his shots mm-hmm. better to be lucky than be good exactly yes. and there's a way to balance that out which i'll talk about in this in the second battle report mm-hmm. um but yeah this this was uh petrol's first time taking the field and i know paul you want to talk about some of your highlights and experiences with it yeah, uh, so Wield Matriarch Nellis, Great Swords, um, obliter- obliterated the Annihilators, like, like you said. Yep. Um, so that's super exciting. Um, those are my Sisters of Sigmar models. Um, I really enjoy seeing them do well. Uh, so that was super cool. Um, then uh, Lyriad's Shadow Warriors, um, they gained a veteran ability. And they've been doing really well. So I've decided they actually get a name. Um, so I'm going to call them the Gyro's Thorns from now on, if I remember correctly. I think you mean Euros. Um, no, I'm sorry. sorry. <laughs> the Euros. <laughs> the Euros Thorns. It's just a bunch of lambs to the slaughter. Is that what you're saying, Spencer? Is that what you're saying? Because that is quite, quite possibly true as well. I guess we'll find out. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm going to click write that down. So I don't forget. <laughs> Get that tattooed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, 
but the, the the highlight of the game for me was being able to feel petrol. And uh, we put them on the table and we used the War Scroll for the Free Guild General, which basically is a combat War Scroll with no bow. And I'm like, oh, I guess I should have like looked at this a little bit more. Um, but I was hiding behind uh, some ruins and I decided that if I rolled a 12 on 2d6, then I go ahead and do the charge because he's angry that they've been destroying his people and he doesn't know what's going on. And if I didn't roll a 12, then it would be fine, right? So I'm like, all right, I'll let the dice decide if I'm going to be narrative or not. Well, the dice decided that I was narrative, which meant that he charged into the decimators. Is that right? Uh, fulminators. The fulminators. So he charged the... into a unit of two fulminators, which which are the the stormcast riding, like dragon horses with big spears. Mm-hmm. You only have like which... three of those, right? There's only like two. I have two. I have two? exactly two of those. Okay. Yes. See, I thought there Which, was two, and I'm like, well, that's not really yeah. a crowd. Maybe he's got three now, but it's just two. Yeah, which, to my credit, he should have done pretty well against them. Had he not been cut down before he even made the charge by 2d3 mortal wounds, where yeah. Will hit on both of them and did max wounds on both of them, so he was killed and killed again. <laughs> Um, <laughs> uh, before I even made the charge, and I was like, "Oh, um, I, I, I try not to reference too many other things if I can." But there, there is one image that was in my mind. Yeah, as as this was happening, which is, uh, in in the TV show Game of Thrones, there's a scene where, uh, one of the warriors, Jamie Lannister, sees his the the leader of his enemy. Yep undefended with a dragon nearby and he goes to charge her on horseback mm-hmm. and the dragon is, turns around to see him and goes to breathe fire on him and someone saves Jamie at the last second yeah this was that but no one saved petrol at the last second I love it yeah it, it was a very iconic death um and it was super cool and it was super narrative and it made sense ish for his character. But then after the game, um, kind of talked about it and it, it, the war scroll did not really fit who I wanted the character to be, right? The model that I had made had a bow and an ax. This is a character with a great sword. And so Will and I kind of talked it out and we decided that we were going to do a different war scroll for the next game. And so for the next game, we looked through uh, current war scrolls and some, older war scrolls and um we decided that the way watcher war scroll seemed to fit pretty well um so the way watcher war scroll has a decent amount of attacks in combat but he also has a bow that does some damage and he has um some options when it was firing so i thought that would add some agency um but good question um do you want to vocalize that, Spencer? Yeah, I'm sorry. I think I might have missed what the war scroll was. Is that like the orders at the beginning of the game? So the war scroll, that's a good question. We did not clarify that. So the war scroll is the picture 
that contains all the information and rules in order to play a character, right? Or a unit. Ah, okay. So, um, so what we were doing is we were looking at old characters and looking at their rules and how they play and trying to find something that fits um, what I had in mind for Petrol's character. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You're like swapping stats. Right. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, yeah, we're picking character classes for a D&D. Different. Yeah. yeah. It's like how you, you might envision in your mind that the character is a monk, but then you start role-playing the character and you're like, no, this guy's actually a little bit more of a cleric or maybe like a little bit more of a barbarian. He's not quite as calm as I want him to be. And, you know, like, do you understand what I'm saying? And then you're yeah, like, oh, yeah, I, I'm going to dual class. So I'm going to go part monk and part uh, barbarian, right? Um, well, in Warhammer Age of Sigmar, you can't dual class. You kind of just have to, like, throw out the war scroll and come up with a new one. Um, so uh, Will was very generous and allowing uh, me to really kind of stretch my legs and figure out what was going on. And so the second battle plan that we played was the ritual. And with that one, I used the rules for the way watcher. Um, so Will, do you want to go ahead and cover that game? Yeah, man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, of course. Uh, always happy to. So for the game we, we had just played, uh, the battle plan was the ritual. Mm-hmm. Um, Paul and his army, the, the the Dawnbringer Crusade, were conducting a arcane ritual, which we decided what the results were afterwards because mm-hmm. it made perfect narrative sense, and I'm so excited to talk about that. And I wanted to stop him. I I saw that he had a baby Draconith with him. I saw that he's doing this weird arcane ritual, and you know. Eyes rolled over, vision was red, needed to attack. We, like Paul mentioned, we used the December 2021 winter mysterious terrain. Hey, Will. We have. Can we pause for one second? Yeah. Spencer's got a thing. Somebody just rang your doorbell. Oh, perfect. Oh, it was uh, my fiance. How about that? He was outside. So. Oh, nice. Oh, perfect. You leave him out there until we're done? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, fiance. I've never met. No, he's coming up. I ran oh. upstairs, so he's. I left him in the dust. Nice. <laughs> 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 um, Ooh, sorry to interrupt. No, no oh, worries. No worries. All right. Um, <laughs> tree. Right, so that so was start- the ritual battle plan. So, uh, on top of the battle plan, uh, like Paul had mentioned, uh, the inspiration for him building all that terrain is we wanted to use the December 2021 winter mysterious terrain which we never talked about mysterious terrain, but it's a fun mechanic in Age of Sigmar and Path to Glory where you pick terrain pieces and you roll a die and they get special abilities. So you could pick a a tower that's sitting off to the battlefield and you could roll. And it could be that the tower allows your wizards to cast spells better. Or you roll poorly, and it could be everyone within that tower is intimidated, and they have a lower bravery, meaning they're more likely to run away. Mm-hmm. And it's it's like a table of six things, pretty simple, and they're they're both mechanical and narrative. 
Mm-hmm. And what they came out with was a winter themed list to celebrate the the holidays. And we decided we we had to use that. Well, and especially because one of the mysterious terrains was a a present based terrain piece. Yeah. Um, let me just look up and see if I can pull it up here so I can. There we go. When you say present based, um, like there's like yeah. little gifts hidden. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was called it's called the festive terrain feature. Um, and so in your hero phase, a was trained for the rest of us. Exactly. <laughs> uh, I got a lot of grievances and you people are going to hear about it. Um, so in your hero phase, so that's one of the phases of the game. Um, you can pick one friendly unit within one inch of any terrain features with this rule and one enemy unit anywhere on the battlefield. Choose one of the following effects to apply to both units. So it's kind of like a standing standard wording for what happens with mysterious terrain. You have to have a target, then you have to have a range of where you have to be within, and then you have um, the actual like gameplay what happens. So the pick one friendly, pick one enemy unit, and then choose one of the following effects, which is awesome. I love that you get to choose on this one. Uh, and so the first one is a lump of Axian Cinder Rock. So Axi is the realm of fire. So that unit suffers D3 mortal wounds. So in-game, mortal wounds are super bad because they bypass your armor. And especially because all of Will's guys are super armored, mortal wounds are really bad. Yeah. But, but the fun thing is, you're giving a gift for yourself, and you're giving a gift to Will as well. So you have to have pick <laughs> one of your units to take D3 mortal wounds that's within that area. Um. The second uh, thing you can do is warp stone blast crackers. So let's add one to wound rolls for that unit until the start of your next hero phase. So on the second dice roll that you roll in order to hurt somebody, it adds one to those wound rolls. But because you have to share, that means that you also have another unit um, that you have to choose that also gets a plus one to wound. So it's a bonus for both. So warp stone is actually the Skaven kind of like standard magic rock that they have. Um, oh, yes. As a Grot miner, yes, yes, I am familiar with Warpstone crackers. Yes, the Grot is definitely familiar with Warpstone blast crackers. Absolutely. <laughs> um, the, the, the third effect you can choose is Comfy Shamanite Slippers. So Shaman is the realm of metal. Uh, Come out. So I don't know how they're really going to be comfy when made out of metal, but I'll have to uh, agree with the rules designers. Like liquid metal? Yeah. Like just sliding across. Ooh, oh that'd God. be super fun. Oh, like ice moon- skates. You moonwalk in them. Oh, I love this. This is great. Uh, so you get to add two inches to the move characteristic of that unit until the start of your next hero phase. So you just get to move a little bit faster, which is super fun. Um, and then Dragon Eggnog, which uh, it should be Draconith. I'm going to point out there is an editing error here where it should say <laughs> Draconith Eggnog. Um, Dragon? What well, is there, that? There are, I don't there know are that. There are dragons thing. and there are Draconith and there are Dracoths and there are Dracolines and there's... My head hurts. I'm just saying. <laughs> I would have definitely put Draconith in there. Uh, so you add two to the bravery characteristic. So basically, you're drinking. Uh, and you're going to be standing up. Courage. Exactly. Um, so yeah, so it was super fun. And then they also have ice things and then there's snow squall and it, it's super fun. Uh, so we decided we wanted to use those terrain abilities. So that's why we, 
I converted up that terrain because it was it, like you read this chart and you're like, oh, that sounds super fun. But if I'm going to have something that has festive or icy or frigid, right, I want their terrain to look like it because that just sounds awesome. So, all right, I cut off Will. So, Will, go ahead and continue. Did you? Um, <laughs> yeah, so we we used the beautiful terrain that Paul had painted up. We used the special terrain rules. And, no, why is my thing so small? There we go. Um, and we went into it. So the the battle began, and I immediately wanted to disrupt this ritual. Mm-hmm. The Stormscale Covenant comes crashing down from the sky and charge in as quick as they can. My my annihilators, those the heavy armored dudes with the big hammers who put in all the work, they they run in, they get the revenge on your sisters mm-hmm. who had killed them before. And they're oh, like, yeah. yeah, this is great. And then um I learned the, <laughs> the power of the celestial hurricanum, which yep. if you remember Spencer, it's the one with the the crazy worm coming out of the ground, pulling the wagon with the tree oh, growing out. And of the it. guy up on the top there. Yep. Yeah, so, I'll I'll share a picture of the last breaths of my annihilator <laughs> as they're facing this thing. No, why is it the cool ones? They should last longer. They have the they should have like protagonist points or something. The protagonist so points. They they do. Like they it. they are super heavily armored. Remember I said those mortal wounds where I was talking about the um, the, the Axion Fire Rock does mortal wounds? Well, this Celestial Hurricanum also does mortal wounds and quite a bit. Hmm. And uh, there's a thing where you can do where you can um, shoot against units that are charging you. And typically your shooting ends up being much worse because you have to subtract one from your dice roll in order to make the effective shot. But because the Hurricaneum doesn't actually make a dice roll because it's a magic-based shooting effect, I just get to basically send out massive amounts of damage into uh, Will's units. So Yeah. yeah. And I'm realizing <laughs> the while this conversion you have, Paul, is beautiful and amazing, mm-hmm. and I love it so much. Yep. I realize I should show Spencer the base model of the Celestial Hurricane because it's <laughs> it's got the the fake language Latin that all fantasy uses. Mm-hmm. So to them, celestial means like all of the different planes. Celestial specifically is Azir, the the realm of heavens. Yeah, but Ooh. the Celestial Hurricane has all of them. Yeah. So as you can see. It's uh, it's a planetarium on wheels that yes. shoots magic at people. Yep. Right. If there's a unit in the game that matches you, it's kind of it. <laughs> that is neat. You know, I have one of these. I just need to put it on the Skyrunner chariot I have, and then we have Spencer's favorite model. Oh, the Skyrunner nice. chariot is just a bird pulling a chariot through the sky. Yep. I've seen that. Yeah, I remember seeing that one. That was so freaking cool. Big, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm a big. Yeah, fan. I have four of those because I'm I'm obsessed with things. They're so uh, good. Yeah, they are. They're so cool. Such a good kit. And they're pulling a boat, like an actual boat. I'm on a boat, and I'm in the sky, and there's a big bird. Uh, 
Um, we're getting way off pissed here, but so off pissed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, so then after you charged into the Annihilators and you wiped out my great swords, wield matriarch um what's her face? Wield matriarch Nellis great swords were obliterated to a woman. Then what happened, Will? Uh yeah, so then the annihilators were annihilated. Mm-hmm. R.I.P. by the celestial <laughs> hurricaneum. And after the first round, you had progressed a fair amount along your your ritual. Um, The way it works is there are three objectives he needs to control. There's the one main one, which uh, we chose to be the source of the festive terrain. So he owned it and he was just handing out gifts. Beautiful gifts of death. Uh, But the, the two side ones we were fighting over control, so he wasn't able to get too many points along, but he, he was making his way forward. So then we get to round two. Mm-hmm. Well, so one of the things you can see, like in that picture, is that the model's really big, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, big. So my model has more wounds than his models do. Spencer had mentioned Shai Halud. You missed the most amazing pun yesterday of... I, I need a, I need to explain the joke so you get it. For the Sylvaneth, the, the the tree people that are working with Paul Sombring and Crusade, those insect-like creatures are called spites. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my shy Hulu joke was the spites must flow. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um. So that's our Dune reference for the month. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Check in next month. If you... <laughs> Check in next month for the next Dune reference. <laughs> uh, so as you can see, that model that I have against his Annihilators is much bigger. And typically in AOS, bigger models have more wounds. And so because I had a large multi-wound model, which neither of us have really had on the table yet, it meant that I could sink wounds into that model and then because he's a hero, he can also heal those wounds. That's one of the mm-hmm. things you can do in the hero phase. So basically, I've got a battery that can take wounds and then heal them back if I roll well. Um, so it means that at the beginning of the second turn, I was like, mm, do I want to take wounds on my big model in order to take out one of his other models? And I was like, yeah, I think it's worth it. So I'm going to go ahead and do that. And... Um, but, but little did I know that Will had a plan to uh, actually make me pay for taking damage to my own model later on in the turn. Will, what was your plan? Uh, yeah. So my plan was I, I have a lot of fast moving. I didn't bring the, the fulminators for this battle. Instead brought um, a bunch of cool, like fast paced winged people. And the plan was to just rush everyone at his big thing. Because as we kind of have talked about in the past, Stormcasts explode when they die. Mm -hmm. So if I throw enough bodies at them, and if they die, they'll take them out. Let the bodies hit the floor. Let the 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 bodies (laughs) Boom, boom. That's literally strategy for Stormcasts. You're you're absolutely correct. Um, And... I had moved people in to fish that mortal wound 
ranged attack he has. Because mm-hmm. uh, when you charge at someone, like you said, like you you take you have to you shoot at them. But if they're within melee combat, you can't shoot at someone charging. So I threw some a weak unit at them to absorb that damage, and they ended up surviving, which is great. Mm-hmm. Threw another unit at them, and then I threw like my fully strength phalanx spear unit. And when those dudes attacked, they have a thing where if you roll a six on the attack, so a one in six chance, it does a mortal wound, and I don't have to roll anything else. I mm-hmm. ignore his armor, all that stuff. And on ten dice, I rolled six sixes. No, it was five. <laughs> it was five on eleven dice. Five sixes on eleven dice. It was a lot. Let's just say Way it was a lot. Than, it was within one wound of dying. Mm-hmm. And it was. Well, it was within one wound of dying because <laughs> I decided to kill his character and you have to roll against your bravery at the end of the turn if you've lost models. Mm-hmm. And he had two units that were in base contact with me that if they rolled a six on their bravery roll, they would have died, which meant that he would have been able to deal mortal wounds to my model. So... Not only did he do a massive amount of wounds in the combat phase, but then all he needed to do was roll a six to kill the model, which meant that I couldn't heal it and it would be gone off yeah. of the table. And I couldn't use that awesome shooting attack again. I just, I needed more people to die. Yes, exactly. I, could, I couldn't even do that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so at the end of the game, um, he rolled no sixes on his bravery test. And he got the turn, and then he decided he was going to run off the battlefield because he only had, like, five models left on the table at that point. It's like, I'm out of here. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But one of the fun things is you can probably tell at this point that, like, this was actually a super fun, strategic back-and-forth battle. Um, And it it was really enjoyable to, like, actually play a tactical game and to be able to create that narrative around it. Yeah. and so after the yeah. game, we did our aftermath. Actually, Go ahead. Real, real quick, what I wanted to say, because uh, I forgot to mention it at the, the top. We had talked about that it's better to be lucky than to be good. Mm-hmm. Which, to an extent, is fair. But I can actually trace my loss to two exact moments where <laughs> I could have been good instead of lucky. Yeah. Um, the very first round, I brought a, I brought my own wizard. And mm-hmm. I brought a super cool spell. It's a special kind of spell called an endless spell, which means once I cast it, it doesn't just go away. It stays on the battlefield permanently. Her and job it, was yeah. to bring this thing. And it has its own miniature too, which is super cool. Yeah. It's it's called the Everblaze Comet, and it's just a meteor comes from the sky and just emanates damage. Um, and in the first round, she couldn't get the spell off. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, she had rolled... Well, she... The way it works is I rolled to see if I can cast the spell, and I, I was able to cast it, but I rolled really low to be able to cast it, like the bare minimum. Paul had a wizard, so he could mm-hmm. roll to see if his wizard could undo my spell. Mm-hmm. And since I rolled so low, he easily countered. And I was like, cool, we'll get him next time. Mm-hmm. So on his hero phase, he decides to cast the spell against my wizard, and she has an ability where... She can just automatically dispel what he's doing and not have to roll for it. But he didn't roll that high. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to save that for later. And I'm going to take a chance on the dice. Mm-hmm. 
bad move. She died. She <laughs> yeah. was Wait, torn she the inside out. No. Yeah. She died. No. <laughs> yep. The spell went off. The lightning killed her. Yeah. Um, yeah. She got killed so by that, lightning. That's what we call an ironic death. Right yeah. <laughs> and then she exploded um, into lightning. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> From lightning to lightning, dust to dust. So, you know, in the Mortal Realms podcast where we always say lightning bolt, lightning bolt, lightning bolt. Lightning That's bolt. literally the summary of that <laughs> character's story in this game. She, she came down in lightning, got Correct. hit with lightning, went away with lightning. Exactly. Perfect. <laughs> Take it away. Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. But so... I, I have to say, well, you did try and send a comet against a massive astronomy wagon of death. Listen, so, I didn't say I was good at this. <laughs> <laughs> narratively, I definitely should have been able to avoid that comet. That's all I'm saying. Oh, for sure. It, no, is, it fit the narrative perfectly. It is just a hobby, so it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I only say that when I lose. <laughs> um, and then the the second moment where it would have been better to be good than lucky is a, after that first round, my annihilators they actually ended up one ended up surviving mm-hmm. uh, through that battle round. He didn't get entirely killed by that celestial hurricanum. And like Paul said, I had several units in a later round where if I rolled a six, they w- would have fled and exploded. And for this guy, it was the same situation, but I wanted him to live. I'm like, what are the chances of rolling a six? Like one in 20? (laughs) Um, Turns out it's one in six. I I know. I had a a command point that I could have spent to keep him, like to automatically pass. But you only get so many command points in a round. Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, I'm going to need those for later. Yeah, and I did use them later, so I'm like, well, it's a five and six chance of not dying. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with the dice. The dice are not your friend. No. <laughs> uh, so it's a situation where I could have chosen to be good, but I chose that maybe maybe I'll get lucky. Yeah, and I, I learned. <laughs> so uh, Spencer, for illustration purposes, command points are basically instant actions. They're points that allow you to do an instant reaction to something that happens on the table. Hmm. And they're something that we brought into third edition, um, which is the the current edition of the game that we're in. So it means that when somebody charges, right, you can do an instant and try and shoot them. When somebody moves, hmm. you can do an instant and try and move farther away. And in this instance, it's- when somebody has done damage to your unit, you have to roll a dice. You can pay one of those command points due to an yep. instant action to say, nope, they're not taking it. Yeah. Legendary and resistance. Like the base mechanic. Oh, sorry. What were you going to say? Uh, it's like legendary resistance in D&D. Like I have elected to ignore Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You, you get so many. You can do it once per turn. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but yeah. And like the base mechanic of like why I needed to roll is called battle shock of if your soldier on the battlefield sees enough of his friends die, he's going to run away. Um, and exactly. Stormcast have high bravery, but because of the number of them I lost, the like it, there's this math equation you have to do that's pretty simple, it, but it meant only a six would have done me any harm. Mm-hmm. So, of course. 
<laughs> yep. Of course, that's what I roll. Yep. Uh, so at the end of the game, go ahead. Rough game all around. Well, no, it was a, the thing is, it was a beautifully fun game. Yeah. And it was so close. The fact that it came down to like s- small decisions like that. Yes. Small rolls like that. Like at the end, Paul walked away with a major victory, but it was a lot closer than that mm-hmm. while we were playing until yeah. it was time for me to retreat. <laughs> yeah. As opposed to most of the other games where it's like, I'm just waiting for the turn when I can retreat because yeah. this has not gone well for me. It I, was literally like, this is going well. This is going well. Oh, this is going bad. This is going bad. Oh, now it's going well. And now it's going well, right? Like, yeah. yeah. It's the, I'm a genius. Oh, yeah. no. I'm an idiot. Oh, I'm a genius again. Yes, exactly. We're like, um, I'm in danger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Whereas previous games, it was, stop, stop. He's already dead. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, super fun, super thematic game. Um, and it turned out, we use these winter terrain rules, right? And I had this little festive terrain marker that I was throwing these magical things at, at will in order to like make my game happen. Well, I we were doing the ritual because I was trying to summon the realm roots, which is the you know the magical map of tree roots that the Sylvaneth have that allow them to travel between realms. And turned out that this festive terrain piece actually was on top of a storm vault because um, my territory that I rolled for my army was a storm vault. So a storm vault is basically a vault, right? It's a safe um, where Sigmar ages ago had come down and was fighting things in the realms. And he used these vaults to contain things that he couldn't kill or to keep things that were powerful enough to be useful later, but he didn't want anybody using them right now. So imagine these, like, you know, these treasure caches. It's like a pirate map, right? Pirate map, X marks the spot. So it turns out I was actually plundering this storm vault for magic items in order to just whip them at the storm scale covenant to just try and survive. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but now we have this like super cool little narrative hook of the thing that happens when you open a vault is you always get some like super cool stuff. And in game, I'm going to be able to get some super cool stuff in later games. Um, but there is always a catch. Whenever you open up a storm vault, something bad also usually happens. Like somebody that has been trapped for a while gets out or there's some magic item that's not exactly as good as you thought it was going to be. Um, so that's a cool little narrative element to add into our later story. So yeah. I'm super happy about that. And an example of the bad that's in the Storm Vault, Spencer, if you remember those bone construct mm-hmm. um, characters, the OCR bone reapers. Yeah, yeah, the hmm? face guys. Those are like the coolest dudes. Yeah, yeah. But that aren't first. The, the leader, say the leader for that army was trapped in a Storm Vault and was released. So, like, mm-hmm. that's the level of bad that can happen. Yeah. <laughs> so the one that was in prison so, escaped. <laughs> so who knows what that's, what that's going to do between our two armies, but I, I have a feeling something's yeah. going to happen. Yeah. One way or another. Well, and there's even, like, more fun connecting narrative threads to all of this, which I just, like, it's it's serendipitous mm-hmm. of the, the role on the dice to to unlock this that that paul made was it's called a territory role 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you roll and it tells you what territory you find. Well, we have just recently gotten new rules for his faction and mm-hmm. the the monthly magazine. So it actually has um new spot on this table for him to roll. And the Storm Vault was one of those new things. Mm-hmm. But when he rolled in a previous game, mm-hmm. he rolled and he rolled the exact same number, but he couldn't get that territory because his stronghold was already maxed out. And I know we talked about it because people were asking us questions like, oh no, why couldn't you take this? Mm-hmm. So the lore behind it is the Storm Vaults are protected by what's called penumbral engines essentially Mm -hmm. sigmar who locked all of these things away corrupted some magic to like make people forget they ever existed Mm -hmm. and so the the narrative joke is that the reason he couldn't get that territory is that he thought he found it then he got all turned around because of this penumbral engine Mm -hmm. and by doing this ritual he act somehow managed to dispel that and can finally see the storm vault sitting there in front of him exactly we realized he was chasing it the whole time Mm -hmm. (laughs) the storm vault was the friends we made along the way the (laughs) whole time the real treasure was inside the storm vault oh wait Mm -hmm. (laughs) well but also narratively for me this is a big deal because the entire point of my army is to build these dawnbringer settlements on these nexuses of power and I have to say, a storm vault has to be on top of some kind of nexus of power. Yeah. Um, so at this point, like I have founded my first Dawnbringer settlement. So I'm super excited to like start writing up what that is and like start fighting battles around that instead of just fighting in the wilds, which is what we've done before. So uh, like I've achieved one of my narrative goals for my Path to Glory army by winning this game. And that makes and, me super excited. And we never plan like that's that's what I love the most. It's yes. <laughs> we we know enough about the lore that we 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 see these threads coming together. Like oh my god, this is perfect. <laughs> yep. Use that, and we'll just expand on this cool thing that happened. That's mm. that's what I love about like this live narrative building. Yeah. Uh, I don't I don't know if I could have thought like I probably could have. I'm not going to say like you can't make this up. Mm-hmm. You always can. But it's it's nice that it turned out this way. Yeah, the quinky dink of everything happening in this order is pretty fantastic. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but it, especially because this is also something that Will's army was going after. So there definitely was probably something in that storm vault that they want. So I may have been able to found a Dawnbringer settlement, but there is no way they're going to leave me alone. No, no way. Right? Is it on a so is it, it, on it just, line? It, is that what is that where you needed it to be? We're thinking it might it might have to be. Um mm-hmm. because the the engine the the, the thing that Sigmar corrupted mm-hmm. to make his the penumbral engines were actually and we're going full lore. Um, <laughs> full lore were, now. <laughs> they were all put there by high elves. Mm-hmm. Um elves from the realm of light hish and they were actually enlightenment engines the Mm -hmm. idea was they planted these all over the realms where there was magical like what like lots of magic to give knowledge to people and then sigmar came and twisted that so Mm -hmm. 
inherently these engines are built on uh, like I was going to say wellsprings, but that's a different territory, but they're on sources of magic. So it just very coincidentally turned out this way that he, he found one by trying to perform a ritual. Mm -hmm. Uh, So obviously the ritual I was performing was trying to open up this um, storm vault. So I just had an idea, yeah. Will. Um, we could yeah. play a Warcry game Ooh. using Warcry warbands inside the Storm Vault at some point. I'm good with that. Yeah. That would be a super cool narrative way. So Warcry is an adjacent game to Age of Sigmar set in the same universe, but it's a smaller version of the game. So you only have like eight or nine models as yeah. opposed to um, full armies like we're doing here. Um, but yeah. the Storm Vault, because it's underneath in a dungeon... Um, I have all of this stuff already because I have all the Warcry terrain. Yeah. So we could play up some small games and add some new narrative yeah. to that as well. So that'd be super and cool. I, yeah, and I will say... Um, what the heck? <laughs> yes, you will. Sorry. You will say, I, what the heck? No, somehow I'm getting all of these um, Xbox achievements. <laughs> I'm just like, what? You're I'm that not playing good. Halo. <laughs> you are that I, good. I think multitask. That's but... hilarious to say that. Because as soon as you said that, I literally hear the thing right behind, like through wall. The Xbox just made a noise for us for the first time. Turning on because Tyler's Tyler's on it, yeah. It's great. Um, No, but what I was going to say is that Spencer is actually fairly familiar with Warcry. We used to play Warcry in my apartment. Ooh. Um, So she is Mm -hmm. more familiar with Warcry than she is with Age of Sigmar. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Fair. But uh, the summation is always good for members of the audience who may not. Um, interesting, because you could actually, you know, you could sneak a warband in there, and maybe you could play some games against Spencer as the thing yeah. that's hidden in the storm vault. Yeah. Oh yeah. That'd be sonic. Oh, this will be this will be off the walls. If you don't expect me to be quoting a movie every good three to five minutes, you're mistaken. <laughs> not well, and not yeah. properly. The quotes are going to be like misremembered. But it'll be <laughs> So I, I think that'd be a super great, like indeterminate amount of time from now is that you and Spencer play a Warcry game to figure out what you have discovered in the vault. Yeah. I, I, I'm going to decree that. So I, I'm here for it. Well, right. we'll, we'll figure it out. Yeah. Uh, but the super cool thing is because I roll the storm vault, um, but I also won the game and I completed my mission, my quest. I actually had enough to buy the Storm Vault and upgrade it immediately. So in the next game, I'm going to be able to start doing delves into that Storm Vault myself and start finding cool new magic items and stuff to use. So that's I'm yeah. immensely excited about that. So we'll be able to hear stories of his heroes going into these and either finding cool things or not returning. Mm-hmm. Having some grievous injuries. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, so um, anything else that you wanted to talk about, quick, Will? Yeah, um, fairly quick. Mm-hmm. Um, it's weird to talk about because the timing of recording and the timing of it coming out. Mm-hmm. But this will be coming out the first week of February, mm-hmm. which is when uh, those of you listening may already be aware of this, even though those of us recording it may not. Uh, I am actually going to be running an online Path to Glory campaign through the Great Weave. Sweet! That is, 
it is set in the hungering steppe and what it really the real crux of it as i'm hammering out the specific details but the real crux of it is we are opening the step up to new explorers there is a really cool narrative hook uh, that i'll get to in a second but the idea is now that Paul and I have entered this area. We're trying to take it over and we are sharing the stories. Other people are hearing the stories and there are riches to be found. Mm -hmm. The hungering step hungers for chocolate. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying it does hunger for chocolate in February. And also if you're listening guys, don't forget if this is the first week of February, it's it's Valentine's day soon. Order something from Amazon. You have time for it to get to your house. And to get those uh, good husband points or good partner points, go go all in. Wait, wait. You want to guess whether or not the, ground, the groundhog's going to see his shadow or not? What, place your bets now. <laughs> oh, this is in Gur. Is the groundhog shadow going to eat it? I mean, all right. So I say, this is a fun, ridiculous, but fun. Ah. All right. So I say we do a bet on whether or not the groundhog will see its shadow. And whoever loses the bet has to lose a unit. So we're going to wager a unit right now. They can replace it, but the name has to change, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I am going to wager. Um, I'm going to wager Kaledee's Shadow Warriors, which are a, a decent good unit. Um, they have some around, so it's not a nothing wager. But if the Groundhog sees its shadow then I am going to lose that unit and I'm going to have to rebuy it. You know, I'm going to one-up you. Uh-oh. By an order of magnitude. It's not a one-up, it's a several-up. It's a two-up? A three-up? It, it's a two-up. All right. I will put down Piercing Thunder, Griffiths and Corum, my oh. fulminators. Oh, wow. Are, they are veterans twice over. Oh, that is that is showing how, some sass. That's there. how confident I am. Based on the weather that's happening now in December, I I think it's going to happen. I think we're good. So you're not going to that. He is going. To, he's not going to see his shadow. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, it's yep. going to be it's going to be too. Cla- the by the time this happens, I I lived in the Midwest long enough. He will not see his shadow. Winter will continue. Spencer, do you witness this bet? Yes, as the officiant, uh, I shall see to it that these are carried out. And by that point, I should have a pretty good idea of which factions are which. So I'll be able to see <laughs> Yes, that is the correct faction. That's the the cool. trick is to kill these two before we get to that point. Just <laughs> run them into every fight. Exactly. <laughs> die, die, die. Come on. <laughs> they're, they're, Come on. My, they're my new suicide squad. Exactly. <laughs> Um, um, but yeah, the first week of February, mm-hmm. it, it's the, the campaign is just an invitation for more explorers. It is, I really wanted it to be honed in on path to glory. So there are ways to gain glory for your path to glory. It's about building your settlement and what's going to happen is we're going to introduce a few other factions and figureheads. Um, that exist in this area for people to either help or not help. And it's going to flesh out a lot of the lore 
of the hungering step. A lot of the things that we've just not talked about on the show, but I've been working on for like a year at this point. Mm-hmm. And then the other fun thing is, I was just going to say it. And then I forgot it. <laughs> uh, they come, they explore. Oh, the, the narrative hook of what's going on. And we can say this might actually be a, a part of the storm vault opening. Mm. which I didn't think of until this exact moment, even though I had the hook in my head. Perfect. Is there is what is known as the Amber Stampede Mm. uh, going across the step. What is happening is there are now beasts and monsters that have growths coming out of their bodies. That is the Amber Bones of Gur. It is the Realm Stone of Gur, and it's just... I mean, they're amber bones they are yellow weird monstrous bones you typically just find the bones lying around but now they are attached to living creatures and if you can get your hands on them they are extremely powerful and can fuel a lot of magic so the reason a lot of these new explorers are coming is because they want to get their hands on these things they want to build their legend and get these magical artifacts and i invite you all to come join us and tell some stories if you want to participate, just head on over to uh, the Great Weave. The, there's a Great Weave Discord that we can chat in if you want to chat. And then, you know, you can always find us at the Mortal Realms Discord. Be there or be square. Yeah. Yeah. Never be square. Round bases. Hmm. Yeah, square bases would be weird. Though, I don't know. I don't know because... Uh... Yeah, well, I mean, I guess West plastic, but could you think of a reason why a square base would be better? For, like, you could get them up real close to each other. It would look real aesthetic. It would, this a is... grid. It would look better in a grid. You you don't know what you're doing to us, Spencer. Oh, my God. I'm, 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 what? <laughs> you don't know what's going on. <laughs> now we need to unpack this before the internet tears us apart. So um, where can they find you online for this amazing Path to Glory online campaign? Well... They can go to thegreatweave.com. All right. Cool, cool, cool. Um, uh, if we are in February now, because we're in the future and it's all timey-wimey, um, we're also only a couple uh, months, hopefully, away from Adepticon and Yay. my gibbering dome in person past the glory event. So um, if you do see us there, um, hopefully we will both be there and definitely come and say hi. Uh, my real world name is actually Paul. But I will respond to PJ Shard. I have been conditioned to that as well. <laughs> and I'm sure you can talk to Will or Sever. Um, and Spencer, I don't imagine you know anything about this whole situation at all. And this mm. is completely a surprise. Is that correct? Uh, y- you would be correct. So Adepticon is in Rosemont, Illinois, and it is the largest miniatures convention in the world. Um, Dude, that sounds awesome. Yeah, so basically it's the con of cons for Warhammer and uh, for miniatures in general. So um, it's going to be crazy. Uh, For the first time in, I don't know how long, um, Games Workshop is going to be doing a painting competition called the Golden Demon, which is considered like one of the most prestigious awards to win uh, in America, as opposed to in the UK where they typically have done it. Um, so, and people have been painting for two years in order to start showing off their miniatures. So 
I imagine it's just going to be an actual, like an incredibly stunning showcase of jaw dropping models from the beginning to the end of Adepticon. So super exciting. Um, so that's what we're talking about. Um, and hopefully everything will go to plan and we will all be able to see you there. So. All right. Uh, anything else that you wanted to add, Will or Spencer? Um, no, I think we're good. Um, and then if anyone wants to educate Spencer on square bases versus round, <laughs> Spencer, where can they reach you? <laughs> okay, once I have to pull up my Twitter really quick and see if I hold it. I made it in like high school, so let's go see what that is. <laughs> Oh, Ooh, oh, what's your embarrassing AOL online name? <laughs> yeah, what's your hobby? Embarrassing. Oh my gosh. It's at Spencer underscore Halsey, if you wouldn't believe it. Good luck finding that. It's Miss, Miss Photon, Miss MS underscore Photon. That is me because I like science things and mascots for colleges. Those are my, I hope you like birds and space. So I, I, I'm curious. I, I didn't. Is there like a thing? Because because if you think about it, though, like it would fit the grid. Like it would. Just, it would. It would work. There, there's a whole history behind it. All right. Well, enlighten me. I invite you all to enlighten me. I need something to do in my downtime at work. Don't tell my boss. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh my god! I'm excited to see what comes of this. <laughs> we shall find out. Um. You can find Will. Where can they find you? Yep. Uh, you can find me at Sever Elon on Twitter. All right. Um, and I am at PJ Shard on Twitter, P-J-S-C-H-A-R-D. You can chat with us on our Discord at www.themortalrealms.com slash Discord. You can also check out all our other podcasts, uh, the Mortal Realms podcast. Uh, usually we're doing Story Face, so that's a lore and... Um, Black Library uh, focused podcast. Then we also have What the Hex, which is based on Underworld. And then we also have Dogs of Warcry, which is based on our uh, Warcry podcast as well. So check them out, have some fun, and link up with us. We are always ready to talk and super narrative. Uh, the AOS Stories and Lore channel is one of the most active in our. Um, in our discord and it's super fun especially if you're into that black library and rulebook lore so thanks for listening to our amblings on the road and we hope to see you along the path oh i figured out what a hobby is yeah yeah it's something you can look forward to without feeling stressed about it that is what a hobby is Ooh, i like it just go add that back in or something i i swear to god i have a brain it does do things from time to time that's a great know, answer. Like, yeah. And just to, to mess with you, I'm going to edit it where the music start, the outro is going to start playing, and then you're going to interrupt it. <laughs> <laughs>